0: The PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. What if we could block a protein to stop runaway cell division? Dana-Farber Cancer Institute laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, drugs designed to treat many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. In this increasingly
1: divided time in the United States, a new book looks to history to help find a path to unity and to look for new ways to move toward equality. Paul Solomon is our guide for his regular series, Making Sense.
2: Harvard social scientist Robert Putnam, famous for his bestseller 20 years ago about increasing disconnectedness in America, Bowling Alone.
1: Bowling is big in America, you know, but bowling in leagues, bowling in teams is off by about 40%. So the fact that we're bowling alone represents one more missing occasion for connections.
2: But this fall, Putnam is in semi seclusion with wife Rosemary in resplendent rural New Hampshire. And he appreciates the irony. I've taken a ton
1: of criticism and teasing from my family for 25 years for writing about how important it is that people connect with one another. But in order to do that, I come up here in total isolation. Of course, it's different now with the coronavirus, mostly because we're trying to escape from the risks down in, down in the city.
2: Putnam's refuge is especially ironic in light of his new book, The Upswing, the culmination of his work about social capital, that is, social connectedness. And how to rebuild it in an ever more on your own America, as polarized as it was in the late 19th century. This is the first Gilded Age.
1: We were very polarized. We were very unequal. And the next 70 years, basically, everything rises. We get more and more connected. We get less and less polarized. We get um, more
2: and more equal. And thus, the upswing to a more egalitarian society from untouchable Gilded Age fortunes of the 1890s summer cottages of Newport, Rhode Island, for example, with rooms of marble and gold, to a national income tax almost only on the rich in 1913. The New Deal of the 1930s.
1: I pledge myself to a new deal for the American people.
2: The Great Society rests on abundance and liberty for all. The Great Society of the 1960s Rotary clubs, bowling leagues, ever more economic equality. But what swung up sure swung down. When the boomers
1: came of age, they inherited a society that was moving in the right direction and
2: very, very affluent. And they blew it. But we thought we were doing the right thing and bringing America to the right place. I know you did. So rock and roll. trust anybody over 30, down with authority, nonconformity, self-expression, that began the downswing? Yes. Which then expressed itself economically? Yeah. If you think we're not all in this together, it's every man for himself. OK, boomers, check out these meticulous data-driven charts in which Putnam shows how, starting in the 60s, America became less economically equal, less politically tolerant, less socially engaged less altruistic, the era of me, myself, and I, and many of you, too.
0: My job was really to come in and figure out a way to tell this story so that it was more than just numbers and curves and data.
2: Putnam's partner on this latest project is his former student Shailene Romney Garrett, a cousin of Mitt, though her politics aren't related.
0: I'll never forget the, the moment when we're sitting at the dinner table with Bob and Rosemary and uh, he starts telling me about these obscure data sets that he's begun tinkering with on uh, Google called ngram data.
1: The ngram program could tell you how often a given word has appeared in any book published in any year. So Putnam typed in the words
2: I and we. It was exactly the same curve as all these other curves we've been studying. And the data punchline is that in the late 19th century, it was I, 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 it then became more we, 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 up until the 1960s, and then in all the literature that's assembled, it becomes
0: more I, I, I again.
1: Yeah,
2: not overnight, of course, Paul. I mean, it's the
1: gradual trend.
0: You see a real shift, not just, you know, away from using the first person pronoun to the we pronoun, but but in asking Americans to rethink what this nation is really about in terms of our core values. And we saw a shift away from the social Darwinism, that sort of dog-eat-dog mindset of the time, into what historians call the social gospel, which was a movement that tried to get us to think more about what we owe to each other, what responsibilities do we have to each other in a society, rather than simply the idea that a society is one giant competition. Donald, Which
1: is where we are today. We're even more polarized now, I'm talking about the data, even more polarized
2: now than during the Civil War. The purpose of Putnam and Romney's book, to depolarize, spur a new upswing to bring us back together.
0: Sometimes we look at the political polarization today and say, oh, well, that was nice that they did that back then, but we could never do that today because nobody can agree on anything. Well, the lesson of this book is we have been in that exact same place before, and this group of determined reformers managed to pull us up out of it. By immigrant activism, by worker activism, by muckrakers, one of the most underrecognized of whom is Ida B. Wells, a black American engaging in a moral outcry against lynching.
2: Joining the activists back then, those atop the polarized society who began to think twice.
0: Chastened elites. They were people who had this realization. That America was going off the rails and that they had played a part in shaping the underlying values that had created that deeply unappealing situation that they found themselves in.
2: People much like Bob Putnam himself. Being up here, the we should all get together guy who bemoans the fact that we're bowling alone, do you feel guilty that you're sequestered and protected? I do, of course, because of the implications
1: for equality. The average income of people here along the pond is probably $300,000 or four hundred thousand dollars a year. The average income of the people four or five hundred yards back is probably twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars a year. Forget about the virus. The degree of inequality embedded in my life—this is just not fair. At some level, that fairness is the core here.
2: For the PBS Newshour, this is Paul Solman.
1: A lot to think about, and we've got to have hope.